This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 430, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 430. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and joining me, as always, are Paul Montgomery. Yes. And filling in this week is, hold on, let me forget, Josh Fleenagan. Fleenagan. Is that pronounced? Is, is that how, how you pronounce this, it, Josh? How is this mic? Hello? Hello? Um, hello? <laughs> it's Josh Flanagan. Oh He's my back. God. Josh is back. Just be quieter. I'm a little surprised, I'll be honest. The kids are off at boarding school. We're ready to go. It all goes so fast. <laughs> Mazel tov, my friend. Ah, well, I am. We are a fanboy. We like comics. If we read a bunch of comics, one of us picks the best book they read that week. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book on this podcast. As well, other books of the week on the topics of interest, all kinds of fun stuff. Would you get Josh caught up on all the things that happened in that's true. March 2014? Like they found that trove of previously unpublished Jack Kirby Wedge Antilles comics. Yeah. 
has uh if he drew that he had no idea what he was drawing yeah. <laughs> i don't know i got a spaceship and a monster before we get to the show quick reminder 40 warning. pages in by thursday it's a spoiler and he did it this is there'll be yeah, spoilers right. on the show so if you have read your books pause the show come back this week in a remarkable coincidence josh had the pick of the week i i did i know it's because i was supposed to have it the last three weeks so <laughs> oops there's a little there's a little behind the curtain business right there Hey, uh, I just before I get started, I just wanted to say thank you. A lot of people have said very nice things uh, about my new son, uh, and and be congratulatory of me for uh, doing nothing. Well, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> at least up until that point. Uh, after that, right. I've done a lot because uh, babies babies mess you up, dude. Um, but everything's really good, and I'm I'm happy, and things are well, and and I appreciate uh, all the stuff that you guys even covering for me. Um, as I just lay about doing nothing, which really isn't exactly correct. Also, a slight warning: uh, I've lost, I'll say, thirty-five percent of my cognitive ability. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> is anyone gonna notice? My, I think, well is my new favorite, like all-purpose joke. Well. <laughs> so good luck, good yeah. luck, everyone. Pick of the week. This week sucked, by the way. I mean, it didn't really suck, but like it was a tough week. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to pick. Like everything, it was like it was kind of good, but it wasn't like, oh wow, this is great. Um, this, yeah, this was a week like almost every book I read ended with, all right, yeah, yeah, that was okay. Well, like, well. <laughs> it was like a, it was like a, it was like a four, it was like a three point oh uh, grade point average week. Yeah. Is what it was. You'll, you'll graduate, yeah. but uh, yeah. you know. No one's going to write home about it. No. I mean, you know, you'd be lucky if you get an insurance policy someday. Um, that's, a, that's economics for you. So I went with uh, – I stared at my list, and I, I looked, and then I was like, you know, I think, I think the thing uh, that I enjoyed the, the most uh, is sort of a, a, an overall craft uh, and uh, it's sort of a surprise that I, I liked it as much as I did. And the thing that I'm looking forward to reading more of is Starlight, uh, number two. Uh, from Mark Miller and uh, Goran Parlov out of Image Comics. Um, you may remember this as a sort of... The, the, the debut issue was sort of uh, John Carter 40 years later. Uh, he right. comes yeah. back, nobody believes him. It's like John Carter, the epilogue. Yeah. Um, the sad, sad, depressing epilogue. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so a little alien kid comes down, and he's like, you gotta come with me back! And and, and he's like, I can't go, I got stuff to do! And then he... Then he then, he just goes, all right, I'll go, basically, after he looked at his sad, empty dinner table because his, his kids have abandoned him. Um, and I think the thing – this is sort of what we said about the first issue. Um, the thing that's surprising me, I guess, is that this is yet another side of, of Mark Miller. Like, if you were to give this to me and ask me who wrote this and I didn't know, I don't think I would have come up with Mark Miller. I never would have said Miller. And I like that about it a lot because for a little while – you could spot a Mark Miller, you know, <laughs> like like George. The thing, a spot the thing is, he he has this level, and he's he's written books like this before. I, I would I would put Superman Red Sun in this sort of vein mm-hmm. of, of 1985. Comics. Right, exactly. It's just that I think he hit upon a very lucrative vein of writing. Yeah. And why why change horses in midstream? Yeah. If you're if you're getting a lot of books sold, you're making you know having movies made out of them. Why would you do that? But it, he has this ability. He just hasn't exploited it very much lately because he's got all the other books going on. But so, if someone did ask you who wrote this, who would you say? Because I had an inkling when I opened up this this first page. I was like, "That's a that's a BKV first page." Yes, I thought exactly that, and you reminded me of it. I thought exactly that this does. It felt very much like a, a Brian Vaughn book. Uh, mm-hmm. Right from the start, I think that's a really good. One. It looks kind of like one too. Like it looks like the kind of aesthetic that I think his artists go for. Such a great image. I mean, it's a, it's an opening splash page, and it pulls you right in. It's got don't like, shoot. I'm only eighty six. Yeah, and you're clearly looking at an adolescent boy. Yep, in a spacesuit. They gave. I don't see age, Paul. <laughs> I don't see age. Race, don't see race, height, age. We're, we're not going to explore that. Okay. Everyone well, is just. There's, a blur. there's two things I really like. I just realized as I said it how. The road they could go down. I, there's two things I really liked about this issue. One, uh, I, I love the dynamic between the two characters. Mm-hmm. I thought the you know the, the bitter, grumpy old man and the very plucky twelve year old. Oh my god, it's up! Recruit him back into war was a great is a great pairing. I love to see these. I hope these guys spend a lot of time together going forward because um, it's 
It's nice, but also Gordon Parloff. That was that was basically the other part that I was going to get to. My favorite page of this whole book was the four panel sequence where he goes out, and smokes a cigarette, and considers going back into space. Yeah. I mean, it's four vertical uh, horizontal panels filling the page. Very simple. Just a man walking out in the field, takes a puff, two puffs of a cigarette. But it's just there's so much emotion. And body and great body language and anatomy in it. In it, it's just he's wonderful. This is a weird note. I uh, I like the the shape of the word balloons. I know I was noticing that because I looked and I can't pronounce the name of the letterer. Uh, so that probably Marcos. There you go. That's where that's where they get you. Is uh, Sunjik? Connor's the worst one at pronouncing names, and he's always the one who jumps to do it. Well, he's it's fun. Our ret- our retired brethren is uh, got got a Marco Sunjic. Yeah, but there's little doohickeys on the letters. Yeah, I know. That but... don't we don't know what those mean. I can tell you what that little accent mark means on a C if it's on an E, for example. But on a C, mm. the fuck is that? What's the thing but... over the S? It's a V. That's like a Cadillac S. But you're right about the the balloons. They're not your standard sort of computer generated, or at least they don't look like it. They yeah. look they're very sort of rough and they look hand drawn. It doesn't always work necessarily with the text. Yeah. Sometimes the text is really small in it, mm-hmm. um, but the shape of the balloons is interesting. It That's make, for sure. gives it a, a bit of a hand-drawn quality, uh, at the very least, which I think is nice. Um, it almost looks like when you read manga, and you know, like okay. the words don't fit in it because they were originally drawn for that sort of like tall, thin yeah. uh, Japanese characters. Um, mm-hmm. Looks a little like that. So maybe it's a bit it's, of a margin there. Yeah, they're just making it so that they can translate this to check. Maybe I don't know. Um, <laughs> But it's I think probably, it's probably Croatian. You know, I, would think. I didn't read. Uh, uh, was it Punisher Max? Was that yeah. where where, where Goran, uh, Goran Parlov sort of came from? I did read uh, Fury Max, obviously, which we talked about to no end. I and mean, I really, really fell in love with the work then. And I think that, other than the fact that there's a crusty old man at the center of this, just like the other book, all of them, uh, <laughs> like it, it does have a different feel. Uh, totally, movie, totally. Obviously, and it's got these cool uh, futurist retro Buck Rogers sort of. Yeah, rockets. it's very bubble helmets cool. that are awesome. Um, I love. I actually also love the sequence where he goes back in the ship and flies it again for the first time in forty years. He's like, I forgot how awesome this is to fly a spaceship and goes zooming around. Before he takes off, he wants to zoom around Earth a bit and stuff it in some people's faces. That I actually can't. I am, I am flying a spaceship, you jerks. He's gonna show them all. <laughs> but he doesn't get to because the military intercepts him and he takes and off. Then, and it's sort of the same time, like all of the scenes in his house are quiet and a little dark, and and you know that sort of maudlin uh, middle America in a field, uh, like like sad the sad Kents basically. Right. Um, you know, it's got all those dynamics, and he does it with. Uh, 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 not a lot of lines, you know, just very, very sparse economical drawing, cartooning, and I really like it. And that, you know, that last because of that, when you get to sort of the last spread of what's going on on Tantalus, um, it's really, it's, it's. I believe it's Tantalus. Why? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's I'm like not it's like I'm, um, right. <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah. mess with you all show just to see how. <laughs> I like the um, I like the yeah the the, the sort of American sadness to it though. Yeah. It's like it's like a Bout Schmidt with rockets. <laughs> I don't think they put that on the cover. The fuck it's not through the cover. Not it's not. I'm not always trying to get blurbs. It's just I, the back page what it feels like yeah. to me. It, 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 I mean, on the surface, it's a slight issue in terms of story. It's just basically sure. suiting up and going in a ship, but. There's great character work in here. We were introduced to a great character. What is his name? The little kid's name. Does he have a name? Maybe he doesn't. He must have a name. Yeah. Isn't he just like boy? My name is Chris Moore. Oh, there you go. And uh, I, you know, it's just great. This is if you're not a Miller fan, check out. His name name is just Chris Moore, but he's pronouncing it with a Scottish accent. Chris Moore. (laughs) That'd be well. There you go. I don't see race. I don't see accent. I don't see age. (laughs) We have a problem. I don't see age. You don't see race. We never knew who we're talking to. I can't hear differentiations in speech. It's the whole world is a blur. I see everything. <laughs> it was too. Whole <laughs> had seen everything. So I, I would, I would definitely she, check that Starlight out. It's one of the better books that Image put this put out, but it's not one of those big high profile books. Yeah. You know, it's not getting a lot of the press. 
or push, you know, like the Remender books or the Hickman books or the Fracture books, but it's really, really good. It's a nice yeah, comic book experience, and when you, you put this together with what Miller's doing on Jupiter's, Jupiter's Legacy, uh, I, it's nice. It's a new era for Mark Miller for me, because I had completely written him off as a person I didn't want to read anymore. Right. Yeah, even though I, I really enjoyed the first issue, I was like, I need that second issue to make sure that this isn't about... No. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. I was. I never lost faith in you, Mark Miller, after that first issue. But now it's that. it's good. Yeah. Now I'm, there's a couple of books we're going to talk about this week that at least Josh and I were on the fence about yep. last month. One of those being Moon Knight, Moon Knight number two, Warren Ellis, Declan Shalvey. This was a one shot story. I, I guess I guess so was the first one by definition. I, so Josh, what do you think? A big part of me. I, I wanted to make this a pick of the week, and the reason that I wanted to make it a pick of the week is that there was there were at least a, a number of panels that were some of the nicest panels. Mm-hmm. And like literally, just I just loved the composition of the not even the page, which were fine. The storytelling is great. He's a great storyteller, but um, there's specifically when he arri- when Moon Knight arrives um, at the wherever the bad guy is, and there's one. There's one, it's the bottom panel of the page, and he, he jumps across to punch the bad guy, and all the stuff goes flying. And basically, uh, two-thirds of the panel is taken up by the cape, which just becomes white space. Becomes yeah. white space, yeah. And some of the detritus that's flying around from the, the table and stuff goes in front of it, and so it's marked in that way. Uh, I just mm-hmm. thought that was gorgeous. I, I was like, that's, that's such a nice-looking panel. There's another one, like when he jumps off the roof, and it's like sort of this that big white silhouette shape. Um I, re- I really like the the contrast of that. I don't know why there aren't more comics that look like this. Cause it, I liked the uh, countdown in the beginning. Yeah. Using the panels to count down the action. So they're doing two, four, six, eight, panel seven, panel six, panels five, panels four, panels. But it's not like they get bigger. They just disappear. Yeah. That really yeah. felt like uh, that felt like um, Warren Ellis to me. Yeah. That felt like and it's, good old-fashioned Warren Ellis. And it's these multiple people um, from this this organization, these these mercenaries, and they're the the handlers or whatever, they're the ones who pull the trigger and this guy's the gun and he's getting his revenge on them. And you're seeing them all assassinated with headshots, but it's sort of, it's non-linear. It's not as if they all, it's, it's not synchronized so that it's all the headshots all at once. And you're kind of like, what is, what is the connection here? Some of them are on, on phones and they're, they're having their own. Each, each page, someone's getting shot. Yeah. The so they're having, panel. yeah. So there's, there's symmetry there. And I just, I like, I like that it's sort of what what are the connections between these people because when you see people assassinated i think sometimes you you first you think okay they're victims but there there's something a little bit more complex going on and so it was it was just weird it was like i don't know it was the, the the way the people are connected at first you don't you don't know how they're connected and then you slowly piece it all together and it's it's sort of like i don't know it's like love actually but with, with being dead did we see this Moon Knight well, costume actually, last month? No. no. Um, the first issue was interesting was because there was, well, yeah, and there's no um, color. It's it's all white. They didn't color it or do any value inside Moon Knight until he took his mask off, and then there's color in his face. So this one, there's some, some black and white to the costume. It's a more traditional Moon Knight costume. Just with sort of like Under Armour or something. It's a it's a good look. I like now it. Now that see that all being said though, like I liked the sequence. I liked the, I liked the the technique used at the beginning. But at the end of it, like, the story didn't do a ton for me. It left me a little bit cold. So while I really liked the approach, I really liked the techniques. I really liked the aesthetics of it. I kind of don't care. It feels like it has the substance of like a four or eight pager. Yes. stretched mm-hmm. out into although all those details make for make for interesting storytelling but it, it is a very sparse kind of narrative yeah it's like a fable almost it's, it is but it's also like it's it's Warren Ellis it feels to me like Warren Ellis experimenting with the form which is a thing that I love that he does but ultimately it feels a little like 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 an experiment he do, it, there's not there is not an emotional component to this at all. Which yeah, makes it difficult to connect with for me. I will say though that the the stuff they did do with the form, I think buys it another issue for me. Absolutely, because I, I, I do kind of want to see what they do next. It was, as you said, those panels where the cape takes up all that white. There, oh. I, I like I love their playing with the white space, yeah. which yeah. is normally a space that is 
steamrolled over or hidden or gotten rid of completely. But the, that's oh, that's where he put the the word balloons. You know, right? But some some comics don't even have the the yeah. you know they don't. It's just that's a space that's ignored. It's the gutters. It's so even, design wise. I I think I think Declan uh, and Jordy are doing some of their best work easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's wonderful. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I, I wish I had something more of a connection with it. I'm also, I've never been a Moon Knight fan. Like, I don't. It's not a thing for me. So maybe you, that helps. you don't see color, so you have a hard time seeing him. I can't see him at all because white is, is all colors. So right. I can't. That's true. Yeah, it's difficult. Now, uh, I, I, I don't know if I, if I, uh, first of all, if I had to pick this week, I would have been upset. Because I, was. I don't know what I, I, I would have done. But I think I would have made Ultimate Comics Spider-Man 200 my pick of the week. I think. Okay. See. I'm just goddamn glad I didn't have to make the it choice. Was, it was. Here's the thing about Ultimate Spider-Man 200. Uh, which, by the way, they conveniently go back to the. No, now it's 200. Like It's the Marvel way. Make your damn mind up, first of all. So this is the 200th anniversary issue. Basically, it's the 200th issue of Ultimate Spider-Man. off the pot number. There's a guy there. This is the Marvel number. And. The thing about this is, so basically what it was, it was a uh, sort of a memorial for Ultimate Universe Peter Parker. Um, Two years after his death, where all of the people got together at a house and they reminisced and and thought about what it would have been like. And the problem with this was that it was really well done and it was entertaining. And there was, of course, the trademark Bendis uh, cavalcade of pinups at the end uh, by different artists. Uh, is that I, this feels like a stock Bendis move, and there was no reason for it to happen now. Well, it's because it's the anniversary issue. I mean, I it's guess, sort of the sort of the comic book, tra- you know, trademark is that yeah, all these big anniversary anniversary. They did this already. No, but it's two hundred. I mean, it's it's yeah, the anniversary taken, not literally. It's the big milestone number. And in the old days, you have this every time you hit a hundred or two hundred. Yeah. You know, Batman three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred. All have these kind of stories where you would you just play around with different artists and you would tell a story. And I think. Going back and honoring Peter was 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 good, I thought, because also we have now lived with Miles long enough that him relating to Peter is more powerful than it was in the beginning. Yes. And hanging out with his family was more powerful than it was in the beginning. Um, so I, I liked it for that reason. I thought the only downside to this issue was there was like a lot of brunette girls in black dresses. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know exactly who was talking. And I'm looking at a panel now where it's, Three of them, and I don't know who was who. I think that's Mary Jane. The red hair is a little red. Then who are the two? Like it just, I get it if I really drill down into it. But look at this group shot. There's one, two, three, and then Mary Jane's hair is dark. So I don't never know. And that, when it was a headshot, Kitty I never really is knew. in there, and Spider Girl is in there, and then bomb and then girl. the Bomb Girl and Bomb Girl. Right. At one, at one point, I I reached out to Connor and I was like, Did that ultimatum thing end? Or whatever that yeah. was, like I don't. It sort of ended with a fizzle, or, or well, I didn't see it. I didn't. I, it, end, it, it did end, but I didn't realize that was the end. Okay, you know what I mean? Like I went back and looked at those issues, and it does say, you know, coming next, and it has those pages from the new books, the covers. But I, I don't think reading the actual story and not the house ads made me realize the story had ended. So when this came out, I was like, wait a minute, are we still? I feel like I missed an issue of something. We talked to about it i think where thor knocked galactus into the negative zone and that ended this the threat but mm-hmm. i'm not exactly sure kitty pride I, saved him i remember like yeah kitty pride was the to weapon that. to to get inside galactus's head and all that stuff i i just really i mean i love this character the peter parker ultimate character so much and first of all it's impressive that bendis has written 200 issues of this book sure really i mean I, that's that's a feat i don't think people really fully Technique and voice, absolutely down. I mean, even if I'm complaining about it, I would. I don't complain about spending time with these characters. I love these. So characters. to me, the, those double page spreads where everybody went around the room saying what they would have th- thought would have happened to Peter if he had gotten to grow up, which is already a heartbreaking discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time I got to Kitty Pride and her whole thing was them married, and she wouldn't say it, really got me mm-hmm. because I remember those issues when they were dating. Yeah, that was cool. Mm-hmm. And those were those are great relationships. So you know. Miles thinks he'd be a sidekick, and Gwen thinks he would have gone street level, and and uh, whoever this was in the first page thinks he would have. Oh, that's that's May, Aunt May, and you know somebody thinks he'd be leading the Avengers, but then it gets to Kitty, and it's just about them being happy and, and in a relationship. She says, "I don't really think that way," and it was just heartbreaking. Yeah, you know, because because that because of that two hundred issue history. So I thought that was what really worked for this issue. 
was that. And yeah, the two the two year anniversary thing that's it's you know it's a contrivance, but I I I do like it being set in you know Aunt May's house, and because that's where a lot of my favorite scenes from the series took place. I love that you know it sort of became this like yeah it just yeah it just became this sort of like boarding house for all of these you know motley you know young superheroes, and and I I, I love the moment where Jameson you know cruises by in his limousine. And he sees everyone having such a good time outside, and just says, "Keep driving." And it, it you know, he uh, he misses Spider-Man too, but this is not a, a place for him to be. And as far as, far as set-piece jokes go, I really loved the uh, Iceman flying, you know, traveling between Firestorm <laughs> and uh, Johnny Storm and Firestar and Johnny Storm. Firestar and Johnny. And he, his ice thing melts because there's too hot. He just falls off the panel. I thought that was really funny, but. I, I like this issue quite a bit for those all those reasons. All right, fine. So I don't think you're wrong. Of the week. I understand. This food made me hungry, though. Yeah? All that food? Yeah, that was nice. It was, uh... Paul! Yeah. What, if, what, what, what is Caliban? Caliban, number one, is a new book from Avatar by sure Garth Ennis. it's not from Valiant? Because it sounds like it's from Valiant. It does sound like it's from Valiant, doesn't it? This was cool. This was sort of the setup of... Uh, the original Alien film where you've got this sort of this freighter out in deep space and there are passengers, you know, in, in cryosleep in pods and you've got the staff that has to run the ship just in case anything happens and they're going through warp and they uh, they run into something. And when you're running into something at warp speed and it's this strange alien spaceship artifact thing, um, that's bad news. And so the two ships sort of fuse together and there are people stuck like in between, you know, so it's, it's not, it, 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 it's not a crash. It's just like with, with weird warp technology, they fuse together into one big mess. And so bad things happen. It's like when you have like, um, when you beam somebody up and there's an accident with the transporter and what we got back wasn't pretty. Right. Um, so it's it's that kind of nastiness, and but yeah, they, they've they've basically crashed into this uh, this alien spaceship, and things are probably going to go very very badly. Um, and it's uh, it's it's new Ennis. It's 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 like the, the art is serviceable. Is I it guess. Avatar House style. Yeah, um, you know, so it's 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 nothing really to write home about, but it's it's you know it's not bad, and there are, there are some some interesting moments. Where it nears like, what do I want to say? It's like, uh, I don't want to say it's like, <laughs> um, but it's 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 not bad, and I I like that that premise of of deep space and sort of we've, you know, basically signed away our lives and 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 gotten these huge paychecks to just spend years and years ferrying people across the black, and. The one of them is just like I, I don't even know why we need navigators out here or, or you know response teams because it's not like anything can happen and then they run into something. So well, that was dumb to say. Yeah, that was dumb to say. So uh, so, but I, I would I would recommend it. I'm I'm not entirely sure where it's going. So it but it looks like fun. Magneto has a beard or not a beard in this series? Magneto has no hair. Magneto has oh, alopecia right. in this. Um, I prefer my Magneto's beards. <laughs> I like I like I like bald Magneto. I like modern Magneto. I've always been, however, I felt about mutants and their filthiness. I've I've always liked Magneto. He's a very interesting. He's not necessarily a hero. He's not necessarily a villain. I wouldn't even call him an anti-hero. He's sort of an anti-villain. So Magneto number two. Uh, this is by Colin Bunn and Gabriel Hernandez. Uh, this is this is really strong. This is, I think, far and away Colin Bunn's best work at Marvel. Um, I'd put it up there with the Sixth Gun. Um, and I've always really enjoyed Magneto as a character. He's not quite a hero. He's not quite a villain. I wouldn't even say he's an anti-hero. He's sort of an anti-villain. And if you like that opening section of X-Men First Class uh, where he's a Nazi hunter. This is sort of like that. This is, I like it that very much, Lois. What is he it, hunting? He, Bargains? In the first issue, he discovers a guy who was unwittingly turned into a human um, sentinel, an Omega Sentinel. Huh. 
and he didn't know that about himself. He's sort of like a sleeper agent, and that got destroyed. So now he's trying to figure out who was turning people into sentinels, and it takes him to this tent city um, where people are basically being taken and by some shady organization turned into these sleeper agent sentinel things that are half, you know, they're human, but they have cybernetic components. And it's, it's not clear whether they know exactly what's going on with them. And they're being sent on missions that they don't entirely know about. And there are these great flashback sequences to uh, him in, in uh, Nazi occupied Europe as a kid and, you know, stealing food to survive. And he got to see how ruthless even good people could be um, just to stay alive. And it feels like a crime book with just a weird supernatural element to it. It doesn't necessarily feel like an X-Men book at all. And um, Hernandez's art kind of reminds me in places of like Sean Phillips. Hmm. it's really strong. Uh, Jordy Valer is doing colors well, on this. So it's, it's, you got Connor I, on. You guys would like eyebrow. <laughs> you guys would like we, we this. We both went quiet. I was like, I, I, I was contemplating, so I don't know what Josh is doing, but I was like, hmm. This, I, I think this is my pick. If you want to a book, it better be pretty fucking good because there's a lot of books. No, I think I think you would like this. And, and Jordy Belair is doing something. Again, like whenever she colors a book, it's you know a very thoughtful approach, and it's appropriate to the tone of that book. And I'm sorry, There's I'm not familiar beautiful. with her. Who, who, is, who does she do? <laughs> some beautiful sequences. Uh, the flashback sequences are all sort of like monotone blue. Mm. Um, monochrome, excuse me. Monochrome blue. And see, gray. Josh doesn't see color, so... <laughs> Definitely, I don't hear color. I know that. It's going to be a problem. So the the color terms are problems. Aquaman and the others is the second Aquaman book. I don't know that anybody actually asked for... Um, I, I'm a huge Aquaman fan. I didn't necessarily even ask for this book, but... It's, here you go. You got two Aquaman books now. And this isn't Jeff Parker. This is no. This is actually Dan Jurgens writing and Lana Medina on art. And I this was another, this was one of those fine books, but there was a couple of elements that I thought were worth mentioning in this book. And that one is, you know, this is Aquaman leading a team called the Others, Ooh. and they're all they're all new characters. And you know, in a time when there used to be something. People don't talk about it as much anymore, but people used to always say, where are the new characters out of Marvel and DC? Well, there's five of them here. One, two, three, four, four to five. And, you know, they're not great characters, but they're new and they're interesting. Are they fish-based or...? No, they're all different. One is sort of... <laughs> <laughs> one is... No, I mean, like, well, like eel new, guy. Where are the, and... all the new marine characters is what I want to know then. Um, there's, like a, there's a guy called Prisoner of War who sort of summons the ghosts of dead soldiers... And uh, then there's a, there's one that's sort of very much like uh, Vixen. Her name is uh, y- Yawara, and she she actually talks to the animals in the in the jungle like Aquaman does. So they're they're somewhat similar, um, and they all have these artifacts that they one is called the Operative. He's like a spy. Uh, they all have these artifacts that wield immense power. But the art but the story in this issue is that the artifacts are losing that power. They, they rely on these things to, for their powers to do what they do. And as they're on all their separate missions, they they start malfunctioning and they can't do the things. They're and they're, they're all in trouble. Is there any so chance co- that this book popped out of a wormhole? From the <laughs> well, past? it did. It didn't feel as ac- an, anachronistic as say no. you know like Green Arrow did originally. Although it's certainly written in an old style. And the thing is, Dan Jurgens is is he's one of those he's one of those master comic book storytellers. He and he tells a very confident superhero story. It's a bit retro. It's not as retro as I've seen other other things go to DC, but it it's a, certainly of a style. But it's it's done very well in that style, oh. and that's what I thought was worth mentioning. In, Such in a that. weird title, Aquaman. Like it's like they it's just like gave up Aqu- thinking about Aquaman, etc. Basically, Aquaman that, that could be the company. name. Aquapals. Um, so I mean, this I don't know. I don't remember the name. They, they mentioned it originally when they showed up. It's it's not like the, they're not the Justice League. They're the others that he hangs out with or something Aquaman stupid like. And some people who are not fish. Right. So I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to continue on. I, I was more curious than anything because I do like Aquaman. But uh, and there's apparently pointing to the next big DC event in this book. Oh well, that's a good reason to jump on board. In which uh, no, there's like there's like a hint of it, and then that there's some future full of robot superhero zombies coming. I don't know. It doesn't look good. But uh, if you like Dan Jurgens in that era, I think you probably would really like this book. And I did like that era, so I, did, I enjoyed it, but I didn't, you know, 
was one of those books where it was fine. It was fine. Amadina's a good artist. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I'll put it that way. All right. So I'm you... damning you with fate praise. I'm not what? trying to. <laughs> Tread and water. Someone else talk. Aquaman. If uh, if you if you need to buy some more aquarium gravel uh, for your aquarium, you should head on over to ifanboy.com/amazon. That's our aptly named Amazon portal where we get a little piece of the action for what you're buying anyway. We get one so percent of all Amazon sales worldwide. S- sunken Whoa, ship that you want to put in there or snorkel. So you can be like one of the others. Get one of those treasure chests that opens up get, when the water uh, bubbles out. Can I get one of them hermit crabs with the uh, with a Mets painted on it? Something like that. <laughs> can I get one of those? Then you just have to go outside to get one of those. Um, anymore. I don't know where you live. Do hermit you can crabs also help. stalk the streets of Philadelphia? Is that a thing? And if so, you need to call someone. Because that's <laughs> I mean, not supposed yeah. to happen. Infestation. You can also go to ifanboy.com slash registration. Uh, you can donate $3 a month or $30 a year, whatever you like. Or uh, any amount. There's Paul also any amount, you, really. Paul will send you a hermit crab for your, for your... This is not true. Paul will send you a hermit crab, not true, uh, for your contribution. And he will he will put a mural on its shell. He will paint your favorite sports team on the shell. That's good. That's what is good. this? This is a dead cockroach in an envelope <laughs> with a broken shell. Paul's got problems. And he just cut the letters N and Y out of the newspaper. <laughs> so, so we thank everyone who registers or, uh, or, or uses the Amazon portal. We appreciate everyone for keeping helping us keep the lights on. I'm about an hour away from Hermit Crabs. I could, I like, could get you Hermit like Maryland? Crabs. Maryland? An hour. New Jersey. Baltimore? 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 Head over Jersey, and they've got plenty of Hermit Crabs, I guess. They've got plenty of something. They're Dehydrated. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> The problem is Listen. you can't get the jersey because the bridges are shut down. Yeah, that's your problem. Always with the shutting down. That's what they. That's what I hear they do now. Detective they, Comics they number them? thirty. They shut your bridges down. <laughs> Detective Comics thirty. Uh, this was the first issue written by new, written and drawn by new creative team Francis Manipal and Brian Bucoletto. You may recall they were the team on the Flash, and I think much like the Flash before this book, it looks beautiful. The story was fine. I have a question about this. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of Bruce Wayne, who are these people? They're all new. Characters. I don't recognize. Are they from a story that had already happened? No. Motocross girl. They were no, not well the... introduced. Motocross girl. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just figured they were. You know, he. You know, he met. He met them at this benefit thing, and that's really. It's a lot of Bruce Wayne. Well, they're wrong with that. It's a lot of Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne deals. Um, my thing with this is that. Um, sometimes when you see a creative team, you're like, I would never have pegged them for a Batman book. Right. And that could be interesting. Um, this is, <laughs> however, I still, I still think I wouldn't peg them for a, a Batman book necessarily. It's, it's, it, they don't quite have the Batman tone. And not that it has to be one way specifically, but it is not a tone that seems to work at this time. It just, yeah. The, res- the resonance is not quite there. I was seriously like I read halfway through it and I was like I don't know what I'm reading and I'm it's not. It's very pretty. This. Yeah, but you know, the layouts are somewhat odd. Guys, we need to stop Matteo Scalera before he destroys us all. <laughs> I a, just uh, he's a Black, monster. Black Science number five, um, also very very good. He's uh, a monster. Yeah, Look at that last double page spread of. Of them falling into that hole and all the creatures in the ground and the angle of it and the, oh, I I just liked the reveal of the alternate version of the person, and yeah. you don't yeah. know whether to trust them or not. Uh, and I just don't. Right. No, I don't either. But I don't know who to trust. Like like the like the main character's not a good guy. No, he's a dick. But are these other ones? But the the other alternate version has scars. Yeah. So you know. he's an eye patch away from being. I just I love how, just like this like is Rooster this, Cogburn. This book yes. is like a it's like a it's like a really high tempo punk song all the time. Yeah, ah! I, did, I, I I I was starting to lose the thread a little bit when all the new characters started showing up, uh-huh. but it could be because I was really tired when I read it, which is very likely. I can apply but... that condition to all of my reading and activities. <laughs> That's but, see, that, it did. Remember last week when I said read in the shower? Read in the shower. It keeps you awake. I, my laminate machine broke, Paul. Yeah, I know. It broke. 
And uh, it was good. It was really good, though. I think this is a... I like a process where you walk into the bathroom, you fire up your machine with your stack of books and possibly a digital device. You turn on the shower. It starts to warm up. Things get steamy. You're just laminating away. Laminating, laminating, laminating. You're halfway through the first book, and he goes, Oh, come on! (laughs) I went to all this effort. Really pruney by the end. Yeah. I think these books are ruined anyway. But I also like the revealedness that that Kadir has been revealed as the guy who who, uh, who sabotaged the machine in the first place. That's pretty yeah, it's, that wasn't nice of him. That wasn't cool. Shouldn't sabotage that. Even if it's no, true, though, to... like these, like you're, it's it's like that suggestion. You're putting it out there. I love that. Right? Is it true? Yeah, totally. Could be. Mm-hmm. I wanted to mention Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Prelude Number One. Um, which I guess is a digital thing. Yes, sounds like it. Uh, and I read it digitally, at least. Um, I, I had my arms well out of the shower as I was reading. This is a good introduction to the movie version of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is slightly different. Why would you go there? The comics version. Let the huh? movie unveil before you. Well, I went there. I actually, I probably wouldn't have if it didn't have Abnet and Lanning's name on it. And that's where I came to love the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I was very excited to see anything from Abnett and Lanning back at Marvel. And so um, they don't necessarily write together anymore, but they somehow collaborated on this. And this is this is an introduction to the Karen Gillan Nebula character. The Karen the Gillan? Guys. Yeah. Who's Karen Gillan? The actress who plays Nebula in the Oh, film. really? Yeah. She's on Doctor Who. Kieran Not to be sister. confused with Kieran Gillian. Yeah, she's all she's known for Doctor Who. I didn't know if that maybe he had a twin. We we haven't confirmed and that that's she, not true. Still talking about the book. She is um basically the this the um spiritual sister of Gamora, who's one of the anti-heroes in the film. And at this point in the story, they're they're acolytes for uh, Thanos and Ronan the Accuser. And they're running around doing um, doing nasty things, criminal deeds, and they're very they're very mercenary towards each other. Um, it's all competition all the time. And even Gamora, who is going to be the hero that we're rooting for in this movie, um, will turn on her uh, sister, her surrogate sister, and leave her for dead. Um, and by the end of this, Nebula, who's already been in a back to tank several times, um, ends up caught in this electric net thing and she is left with a knife and she cuts her way she cuts her arm off basically to escape this trap and get back to uh thanos and uh it's pretty fun and it's and i think it gives me it gives me hope for an interesting compelling villain out of a marvel studios movie which i haven't seen anything that's come close to loki yet so uh, I'm excited for for the prospects with uh, with Nebula. What is Rogue Trooper? Rogue Trooper number two uh, by Brian Ruckley and Alberto Ponticelli. This is uh, yeah. This is an I don't know why either. DMZ. DMZ. There you go. And uh, this is another IDW um, picking up a 2000 AD property. So like Judge Dredd. So you've got Rogue Trooper. Rogue Trooper is <laughs> such a ridiculous idea. You've got this place called New Earth, N-U hyphen Earth, um, where there's the Norts and the Southers, and they're having an ongoing civil war on this planet, and it's completely radioactive wasteland outside. And your blue Rogue Trooper guy is the last surviving, you know, biologically engineered uh, super soldier and he's traveling with his three buddies, but they're dead. Um, but within a minute after they each died, he took their minds basically onto a chip and put them into his gun, his helmet, and his backpack. So he has a talking gun. Oh, man, I got the backpack. A talking backpack. Uh, and it's, it's funny because the gun is named Gunner. The helmet is named Helm. Bagman is the name of the backpack. They all have ridiculous names that go with what they are, and they help him out in his in his, you know, adventures. And it's a little like I don't know if you like Prophet, um, if you like crazy cosmic war stories. Uh, it's it's just strange and fun. And he's blue, 
and uh, and I like it quite a bit. Josh, in addition to Moon Knight, Veil was probably the other book where you and I were on the fence about after the first issue. So now we got issue two of Veil, Dark Horse, Greg Rucka, artist whose name I'm not going to attempt to butcher. What did you think of this one? It didn't fare as well as Moon Knight. <laughs> uh, I, I am loath to not continue, but I also don't want to continue because I right. don't. I, 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 all right, where is she from? All right, it's fine. But it seems like there's a mystical element, which I don't particularly like. I just don't. Well, we knew there would be. She's, you know, she was yeah, mind know. controlling people. And this issue, we find out she a... was summoned by uh, rich that part, dudes. To do, that part do, was kind of interesting. They, they summoned her to be their sort of weapon. And the guy who did the summoning, the non Constantine guy, said basically, you don't work like that. The summoning can happen anywhere. She can pop up anywhere, any, any time, any place. Years ago in France, it doesn't, you know. Yeah. But luckily, it was now, and this, so they don't have to worry about the Phew. time bit. But uh, it just wasn't where they summoned her. It was in the subway. So now I don't we really, find out what she is kind I, of. This book hasn't hooked me. I don't really like how it looks. I don't. Yeah, I don't like the art. It doesn't feel like the Greg Rucka stories I like so much. If he's the art, right. I thought the art was much more controlled in the first issue. I thought this issue he got much more exaggerated with the characters, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't necessarily love. Uh, you know what I think is missing. I think it's one of those things where you, you have a scene where one character is totally lucid and the other one, like, I, I feel like the character, the girl, Vale, wasn't consistent from the last issue to this one. This one, all of a sudden, she was interacting more. And I feel like maybe there could, like there weren't the scenes where we know why he's doing anything, why he's doing this, why he's helping her. What you know, like It's weird. Right. I would just be like, let's just take her to Bellevue and call it a day. Right. I don't know what... He's, and he's very passionate about helping her. Yes. Yeah. It's not just because she's attractive, or at least it, should, it shouldn't be. Because, listen, that only goes so far. Eventually, the in, cops in, get involved, in and Manhattan, you're just like, you know what? Don't have the time for this. Yeah. In Manhattan, you see enough crazy, beautiful people. It's not... I don't know. I want to I wanna like it. I just... I don't... Also, this is a minor pet peeve, but it keeps popping up everywhere, at least where the New York cops are involved. New York cops are not allowed to have goatees and or beards. Really? I mean, yeah. They don't, that's why cops have. That's why the cop mustache joke comes from. Hmm. The only facial hair they're allowed to have is mustaches. All I know is that New York cops just all drive down the street together in unison once a day for no reason. <laughs> right. Show of force, Josh. Show of force. So I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm very much on the fence with this one. Yeah. There were things I liked more about this issue than the last issue, but I don't, I don't know that I really want to know more than that. I don't know. You don't have to like everything. No. No. That's certainly true. So there you go. That's uh, those are those are books. Those are the books of the week that came out, and we talked about them. There are more of them that we didn't talk about. If you want to talk about them, go to ifmboy.com in the comments section of this show and talk about them. That's what it's for. It is. Let's do an audience question from Bjorn. Bjorn of Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Bjorn uh, is probably very cool. I imagine. Bjorn probably lives in Williamsburg. Speaking of mustaches, <laughs> um, Bjorn's just a hip, cool guy. I like how we put him in a box immediately. And well, his he, name is Bjorn from Brooklyn. He's got him. He's in, he's got one foot in the box. I think the way that Bjorn would be more uh, if he was just not cool at all. But he's in Brooklyn, we, so he sounds know that a, way. We know a Bjorn. I don't know that he's from Brooklyn. I feel like he must have spent time there, and that's probably why. Yeah, and I that Bjorn is a cool guy. So I'm yeah. not knocking you, Bjorn. I'm saying you're in good company. Guys named Bjorn usually very cool. Yeah, I, I gotta go with that. Nice shoes. Yeah. I started reading comics again a few months ago. I've been staying away from DC and Marvel, reading mostly newish image, Dark Horse, Vertigo series. That's also DC Bjorn. No shortage of good stuff there. Looking over my subscription list of around 40 books, I wonder what the ultimate fate will be for each. Will it have a long run and come to a satisfying conclusion? Will it just go on forever? Or will it fizzle out and get canceled? With some series, Saga and Chew, I have a real sense the creators really know where things are headed. Others, Morning Glories, not as much. So my question for you, what is the average trajectory of an ongoing series? Since that is probably difficult to answer, I would like to challenge you to speculate on the longevity of the following titles. Bedlam, Drumheller, Manhattan Projects, Lazarus, Sex. If you have actual information, I'd be interested too, of course, but in lieu of that, guesses and speculation are fine. And uh, we didn't do any actual... We could have... We could ask somebody... There's somebody we could ask, but we're not really? going to lean on that, lean, press that button too many we really times. Just read the question just before the show. So. Right, so we didn't ask because he's out of the office right now. 
Uh, otherwise, I would have. I have some phones. So, do we want to tackle what's the average trajectory? It's hard well, to say. See, this is interesting. The thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately, because I, you know, if if you're like us, uh, and I think you are, uh, you've been noticing that. See, that's why David Letterman is an influence. I don't know if you caught that, but yeah. anyway, um, it, a lot of image series, just specifically, have been coming out, and we've been reading a lot of number ones and a lot of new series, and it is not um, viable. To be able to keep reading them forever is what I'm finding. I don't know if it's that so much as it's not viable for the stories to go on forever. That too. But what I, I find is that a thing that was kind of interesting – like I've got a lot of series now that were – like had an interesting first couple of issues and now they're just going and I don't know what the point is. Right. Uh, or or I just find like you know on a long term – like I think something could be really fun with the first couple issues and then after 8, 9, 10, 12 issues you're like – all right, I, I don't know that I really want to stick with this for that long. Not every show has to have a twenty has eight twenty six episode seasons, you know. And I think it's interesting that they're not really saying either. And I wonder if that's a deliberate tactic to say this is a ten issue series, this is a yeah, six issue series, this is a sixty issue series. You know, we don't really know. There's a you know the whole thing. We we all love Satellite Sam. It's a murder mystery ostensibly, but it's also a book about the TV industry. It, it could go 12 issues. It could go 60 issues. Well, that's one that I, really, I don't know what I don't know what to expect. Well, that's the thing is like that's one that I'm now kind of starting to be on the fence about. Like I really liked it at the beginning. I really but now I kind of like so when 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 are we going to know something about what's happening or what the point is? Because now it's just it's just a lot of uh, dysfunctional people interacting with each other for some reason. And I think with the volume of, of things that yes. we read, the further in you get, the more complex the mystery is and the, the, you know, the more tenuous you are with the details because they're, they're they've stopped reminding you at this point. Yeah. So it's easy to pick up a number one issue, a number two issue, the further along you get, yeah, it's, true. it's tougher to, to keep track of everything. And also it's the further away you get from the original conceit. And that might not be, you know, they might've gone a direction that, you know, you weren't anticipating that's, yeah, that that's you weren't necessarily really signing up for it. Well, if you want to look at like his 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 examples, and I think that this stuff pretty much also applies to mainstream superhero kind of stuff. I mean, I think I can think of a lot of DC and Marvel series that sort of started out, and you get mm-hmm. ten, twelve in, you're like, all right, that's that's enough, I'm good. Um, but like, okay, so Bedlam, I don't know, I didn't read it. I actually read the first one, I didn't like it, so I stopped. Although it's drawn by Ryan Brown, so that was our last uh, book of the month. Uh, Drumheller. Anybody read that? Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. I, I, it's, it's very esoteric. Uh, Manhattan Projects, and I'm going to go ahead and lump in all of the other Jonathan Hickman image books. Mm-hmm. I'm totally falling So east of west. Yeah, but that's not really the question. Does it feel like it's a long series? Does it feel like it's a... It, I don't east know. East of west feels like a long series. But it feels like we're like we're just... Here's a little of the world, and here's a little of the world, and here's a little, and it, it just, it's, I find it's, it's, they're becoming less compelling as we go on. Mm-hmm. I feel it just, just, and this is complete speculation, but I feel like I don't see them being like 60 issue books. I assume they're all 60 issue books. Right. That's my default for yeah. image books. And I think Lazarus and Sex feel like that. Lazarus definitely feels like that. Yeah, I feel like playing I, a long game there. I don't feel like I don't feel any attrition in Lazarus. I look forward to it every time because I see there's a person, there's one person whose journey we're kind of going on, and everything else is going on around it. Whereas if you look at Satellite Sam, like I'm not entirely sure who I'm supposed to be focusing on, and I don't really know who most of the people are in 50 percent of the book. Uh, whereas right. Lazarus, like it's pretty clear that you're with um, the girl whose name I don't remember at this moment. Um, um, sex is and sex is exactly the same way. Yes. Sex, we're following that one main character, not Batman, uh, as he Batman. just keeps not getting off. Sex and Lazarus feel like like novels mm-hmm. that we're, we're, you know, 20 pages into. Uh, I don't know about it. Manhattan Project is reading a trade. I can't really say. But for an image book comes out, I just assume it's meant to be long term. You know what? You know what it is. If a show starts to feel like lost to me, then I start to lose. Or if a book starts to feel like lost, I start to lose interest. Where I'm thinking, mm. oh, you're kind of making this up as you go. You don't really have the ending, or at least you have the ending, but you don't know what happens in the middle. Which, by the way, is normal. But there's a way to, I guess, 
cover that. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. a way to not make it feel like that. Because I don't ever want to feel like I did with Lost again. I loved it. I know you did. You and I are different. That's okay. It just uh, the question that Bjorn asked is difficult. We you don't really know what is going to happen with any of these books. It could fall on their flat in their face one day, or it could be Wide Last Man, or it could be Preacher. And in terms of a overall satisfying story, or whatever, it's, what I mean. well, it's, it's like how often it really it goes. It's almost issue to issue at this point because there's so much competition, I guess, for your dollars and your, you know, uh, and your attention. You know, like Chew. He's been around for a really long time, and it ebbs and flows a little. But I'm usually pretty happy to get a new Chew. But it, you know what else was was good? They did with Chew was they said originally, you know, like once it hit a certain number and the sales didn't go down, they said, okay, we're in for fifty or whatever it was. Yeah. Like we're, this is, is going to go fifty or oh, yeah, yeah. Like they made that clear very early on. This was the length of the story to expect. Mm-hmm. Whereas. I don't know how long That's a good point. Starlight really... is going to go or how long Black Science is going to go. See, Starlight, and though, so, in my mind, I want it to be eight. And I think that's probably more accurate because I think Mark Miller does those things, but they didn't say two of eight or whatever on it. And it does affect the way you read something. It does. It's, it's, you can't help it. It's like when you watch a movie or TV show, you go, oh, well, I'm three quarters in, so this, you know, this is going to wrap up soon or yeah. there's ten minutes left. Or, you know, it just mentally you have a, your brain – changes the way you're, you're taking in the the story knowing how much story is left well it's like when you hold the book you know how right much of the book is left, like a, a novel it's a good point and they introduced I that, that with way. like with kindles you can need different ebooks you can see they, they predict how much longer it's going to be before you finish the chapter yeah i like that so it's interesting it's an interesting and i wish they would say it i, I wonder if there's a reason i'm sure there is a reason why they don't because you don't want to not buy a mini or whatever. I don't know that it's that specific. I think it's a more with like when you bring a book to Image, you're like, oh, I want to tell this story. I don't know how long I'm going to get to go. So right. I don't want to. I don't want to hedge my bets so that if I plan to go to sixty, but I have to stop at twenty, I can try to wrap it up success. You know, successfully. Sure. Thing, so it could also be uh, see what sticks to the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, these books may or may not succeed. If they do, then. If the writer or the creators surely have a story in their head, that a clear story, then they'll get there. If not, they'll make it up as they go. I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know if I'm making any sense anymore. But thank you, Bjorn, from Brooklyn, for writing into us. And he did that through contact.ifanboy.com. You can write us there or leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and keep it around 30 seconds. That's how you get on the show. That's how you join the fun. This is all just fun. We're just having fun here. Someone loses an eye. Now, that's uh, very unlikely. Really quickly, I wanted to mention this is sort of off the beaten path, but not really if you listen to the show for years. Did everyone else on this show currently watch Community last night? I did. Or when we record this on Friday? I saw the promo. Oh, Paul! Well, I sent an email. I'm not about caught it. up. I'm not caught up. You didn't need to be. It was not uh, completely unrelated to everything that happened on this. There's a lot of continuity on that show. Not on this, this episode. One. Oh. Oh, Paul. Hey, listen, uh, it, it, well, it's not it really possible to give something away about it, so I wouldn't worry about it so much. But I only have one question: How in the world did this happen? I don't know. I don't know. And if I mean, it's not like this is Cartoon Network. No, and I was one. I mean, as just from where I am currently in my life right now, I'm watching it going. The licensing issues in this are just what? How did this even pull off? Basically, if you don't know, you don't watch Community, but you're a fan of all things that we like. Uh, last night's episode or last this week's episode was a completely almost completely animated episode in the style of gi joe uh oh, no, with the gi joe of. It, was it was an animated gi joe episode including ads most of the voice actors yeah the original voice actors which by the way 75 year old duke you can really hear it in his voice yeah you can um and it really made me sad that that uh the guy who voiced cobra commander was dead uh chris lada no who was it, it was rob schraub oh really uh, Oh wow, uh, indie comic book creator slash uh, TV guy. But uh, it was a completely animated GI Joe episode, including the GI Joe toy commercials, and uh, the characters in the show were all GI Joe characters, except for the dean who was Cobra Commander's assistant. And uh, it was b- beautifully bizarre. Also, if you're going to go with canon, the death of Destro. <laughs> yes. So that happened. Jeff figures out he could kill he can kill Cobra people, and they all freak out. Because they can actually die, but uh, I it was amazing, and I kind of wish I didn't know it was coming. 
Because they pro- they promote they started promoting it a while ago, and I, I alerted Josh and Ron about it. But I wouldn't have known it was coming if it wasn't for you. Just want to put that out. And I felt kind of bad about that as a start because I was like, if I had known, I just turned on Community, and this is what had happened. I would have probably had a heart attack. So probably better I didn't I didn't I didn't know. Uh, but geez, there's a guy with a parrot. No, well that was uh, Annie was stressed. Annie was the was the female version of shipwreck. Okay. And uh, her parrot were her breasts. Tight ship. Yeah, tight ship. But it was three kids. It was very funny and bizarre and strange and a parody of G.I. Joe and a very also interesting, insightful look at the characters too. They 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 juggled a lot of things, but including you know, it was basically the whole thing was that Jeff was turning forty and and didn't want to face that. I think so we he, all relate to that. He uh well, he got he got injured. He got injured in his in his in his coma. Had a GI Joe cartoon fantasy about all of them, and that was the, the premise of it. But uh, crazy. How, again, how did this happen? I don't know. I just don't see like I, this is the move of a show that's about to get yanked off the air. Well, totally, and I, I get why Except Community did it. I don't get why the I don't get why GI Joe and Mattel did it. I don't get why NBC did it. Oh, I don't give a fuck. Really? Yeah, about Community at this point, but. But like, you know, the characters and they weren't always portrayed in the best light. That's, with licensing stuff, usually that has to happen. You know, I thought of that, but Hasbro. Um, that was. I think with their oh, experience, I, I honestly think with their experience with some of the stuff that was done at IDW with, uh, specifically with the Cobra series, I feel like their game. I do, but but also like the, the the ending bit where 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 it was Cobra Commander and who was the other one talking with Jeff about boobs. Uh, they wanted they wanted to go back with him to the real world because they'd never seen a boob and they wanted to know what it was like. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just I think that like the st- things like those comic series and and I think the realization that the audience for that property that show as it existed then are us. It's not kids, yeah. so who cares? No. And that's a that's a smart move, I think. Um, you know, if they're trying to. Pr- retain the sort of the chastity of the old series then they wouldn't have done it but i think that would be ultimately pointless it was just crazy it was so bizarre if you uh are at all interested in this and you haven't seen the show and again you don't necessarily need to, to watch community to to watch this episode i mean obviously the interpersonal stuff won't make as, as much resonance to you but it's on hulu right now yeah you know go watch it if you haven't seen it if you're a gi joe fan especially if you're a fan of the cartoon it's it's a bizarre <laughs> new entry in the canon. I mean, there's even a PSA ad at the end. There's a there's a there's there's a ton of the cart of the um, toy commercials in the middle. It's and even at first I thought they'd just taken an old toy commercial because they shot it and it looked exactly like the old toy commercials. Even the grain of the film it was really genius. Yeah. I've, I've decided, really genius. Yeah, you're you're very happy about this. I was, I was, I couldn't believe it when I first heard about it. It's crazy, and I. And it takes a lot of balls to do that well in a way that doesn't make me roll the shit out of my eyes. Right. Well, because they, they went for it. They went for it. They didn't fully. They didn't go half-assed into it. Fully. I mean, it was. Yeah. It was the opening. They had the opening song, music. I mean, it was everything. It was an episode. Of, it was an episode that of must G.I. Have Joe. Cost a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. So check that out, Paul. You can you can go watch that right now. You don't need to you don't need to wait. Okay, I'm gonna wait till the GI Joe was a cartoon series that Connor and I watched during the '80s when you were an infant. Uh, I've seen episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. got literally it was what we watched every single day, either before or after school, depending on when they aired the the episodes. They had the original Flint voice, the original Duke voice. Well, original is a bit of a stretch. Well, these guys are old now. Emphysema Duke. <laughs> hey, uh, but he had it. It was still Duke. Yeah, yeah. So check that out. I would highly recommend it. it's on Hulu. I just looked it up while we were talking. Um, also, check out coming to you on this feed right behind the show the special edition podcast for Captain America: The Winter Soldier, in which Paul and I and our friend Jeff Kanata from DLC and newest, latest, best, and formerly of the Totally Rad Show got together to talk about Captain America: The Winter Soldier, the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Uh, so that'll be. Available to you on iTunes behind this show or your podcast aggregator behind this show or directly for streaming on iFanboy.com. It's a wonderful conversation, I imagine. <laughs> Paul! 
Okay, other things uh, in the works. Uh, CBR Sunday Conversation every Sunday at noonish Eastern, talking to writers and artists um, about their extracurricular activities. Uh, recent ones, I talked to Mike Mignola on the occasion of the 20th anniversary of Hellboy, which is pretty cool. Um, what else? Scott Snyder, we talked about True Detective. And coming up, Mahmoud Azar, we talk about time travel movies and video games and traveling and, and all that kind of stuff. So check, keep an eye on uh, CBR Sunday Conversation. Paul, why don't you talk about comics? <laughs> we do talk about comics sometimes. I talk about comics a lot with Mike Mignola. I talked about how he doesn't like pancakes. Yeah, that was an interesting. Just, I like that he part doesn't, of the He doesn't get why it's so popular. It's awesome. And he's kind of bothered by it. And I was like, it's really good. Now I definitely never want to interview him. <laughs> I, that's a rule I have. I don't interview Mike Mignola. I'm keeping him at arm's length. And now that you've said that, I know that I made the correct choice. Did not sleep that night, but he was very nice. You like that Especially because it was like 9.15 in the morning for, for him when I was talking to him. I can explain to him why that story is good. I'm sure you can't explain to Mike Mignola why the story is good, Josh. I Probably not. But that's that's the difference between me and most nerds. Go, you're next in the you script. Can go to ifanboy.com. To I can't get over this pancake thing. You can comment <laughs> on this episode or on the other ones. You can you can correct our wrongs, both large and small, or perceived, or real perceived. or unreal. Yeah. Um, I'd be happy if the comment section this week was all people talking about that community episode. I will be in there, <laughs> ways deep with all of you if you if that's what you want to do this week. Who is Britta dressed like? Uh, that's a good question. She She's like, like barbecue or something, but yeah, kind of like the one of those laser or fire. I always get those two mixed up. Fire, fire doesn't fight in fire. That's barbecue. Cause he's no, like, she 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 didn't look, look like one of the fire characters. Like she looked like she would have had a laser. Like one of the later, like the late eighties ones. Yeah, was yeah, no. yeah. Uh, you can find the podcast there and all the other stuff at ifanboy.com, including all that past content if you're ever curious about our old shows, video and audio and all that such. So so get there. Be there. Experience it. Ways deep. Thundercats. Ho. Um, follow us on twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy to find out what the pick of the week is before the show. And you can follow us individually on Twitter at J.A. Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and I'm Fuzzy Typewriter. I liked the John Oliver's Tomax and Zaymot. <laughs> if you hurt me, my, t- my twin feels it. He's just a waiter. Finally, if you like this show, please review it on iTunes. Leave us a review. It's how people find podcasts they're looking for, and it helps us out. It doesn't take you too long. And do that for any podcast you listen to. Paul's Fuzzy Typewriter Show. Uh, many, many people who you heard those past month while Josh was slacking off have their own podcast. Go, go review those shows. Help go everyone. Fuck yourself. Oh, we needed that. I I have a headache. I've had a headache for four weeks. (laughs) That sucks, man. The other day I slept for ten hours. I slept ten hours last week. <laughs> In a That's row? It for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Josh may not be back this week, but until then, next week, but until then, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. Go fuck. Oh. Just everybody? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs>